0: I wanted to give it a shot in a sense that at least I knew if I failed, you know, which thankfully to date I haven't, but if I failed, <laughs> if I failed, then at least um, when I went and decided to go work for corporate office, I wouldn't have any regrets.
1: Hi, and welcome back to The Next Frame Podcast. I'm your host, Tendai. And today we are back again with Russell Ho, your certified financial planner. And we're sort of deviating from the main goal of this podcast. But today we want to learn more about himself. Um, See what how far he's come in his journey as an entrepreneur and what are some of the things that, you know, impact his life in in making that one huge step of becoming an entrepreneur. So, yeah, welcome back, Russell.
0: Yes. Thanks, Tendai. Thanks for having me back and good day or good evening to all your viewers as well. Looking forward to sharing my personal story and journey.
1: (laughs) Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Uh, Thank you so much for, for, you know, making time for us. Um, This is the third episode for those that are new and only listening to this episode. Well, I'm pretty sure you need to listen to the first two because he dropped a lot of gems in those ones. I won't spoil them, but I'll definitely link them down below. Just make sure you know Uh, you listen to them even after I listen to this one it's okay just to get straight into it in i think in in every entrepreneur there's always that one thing that drives them like th- their own passion what has been that passion for you in 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 your journey so far
0: so the passion for me in my journey and why I went into, you know, financial planning and financial consulting, actually, it stems from quite a personal experience, you know, from my own personal family experiences, just to kind of give you guys all um, some background and context was that, you know, me and my family, we are typical lower to middle income type of family and you know we grew up that way and my parents never really got any form of good financial advice or you know, financial know-how on how to make smart decisions with their money. Um, they did have an advisor back in their day, but when I actually did take a look of their stuff, um, after I qualified and graduated from university, I found out that they had been done in, you know, and uh, I had seen Ooh. that on, you know, in my personal life, growing up as their son, as well as in my family, how just on the basis that no advice or poor advice was given, how we suffered for that. So a lot of my passion comes from, you know, believe it or not, of wanting to make sure that more people out there get access to like good quality advice so that, you know, they can make smarter decisions and that their generations can be more educated, more well informed, and smarter when it comes to that money. You know, I always think and believe that good financial advice is not only for the rich, it's for everyone. Yeah. You know? So you just have to make sure that there's that you reach out to a good financial planner. And I know that used to be rare in the past, but, you know, me and a a group of individuals are trying to drive that and create more awareness for that as well. Mm-hmm.
1: You was you were touching on like good financial advice is pretty much important to everyone. Now can I just paint you a picture of what a basic uh you know if if African family looks like whereby you have again a, a lower to middle class in- income family and I want access to that you know financial planning for the future of my kids or for my own future so to speak. How do I you did touch a bit on it, but how do I get in contact with people like you? Uh, do I just set you up on the internet or?
0: Yeah, so definitely. And I know we kind of touched base on this in, in our previous mm-hmm. episode, but yeah, I would say definitely search up, you know, certified financial planners on the internet and look primarily, um, you know, niche your search, your search to like your area, your country, your province, and check the financial planning organization website that's in your country um where you can search for certified financial planners there and then obviously take it from there you can take it a step further and google them and find out them find out about them on linkedin um that's the first step i would recommend because you know um and also sharing your experience as well you know i can fully attest from my family experiences that the unfortunate thing and i do admit that it is you know it has been happening in our our industry but we are striving to change it Is that there are really a lot of bad advisors or more like policy salesmen is what we call it. There's not really proper advice givers and you know unfortunately back in my family or my parents days they didn't have the internet back then or access to technology that we have now and they didn't know no one told them like you had to go and search or google a professional before you use them. They just took whoever approached them. Um, so to learn from that, what I can say is for anyone that's seeking out advice, definitely make use of the internet and, you know, search through your financial organization in your country.
1: Another question would be, did you always plan out to be a financial planner or was it like <laughs> one of those, you switched uh, uh, industries? Oh. <laughs>
0: yeah. So yeah, you're hundred percent right there. I switched. Eh? Um, oh, okay. Growing, okay. Up, <laughs> growing up in an Asian family, eh? um. You might, you might have heard or know, especially since maybe you're in Malaysia, but like the Asian family uh, market is like for any son or any of their kids, when you grow up, they give you three options. It's like, oh, you're going to study medicine and become a doctor. Or you're going to study law or you're going to be a chartered accountant. And those were the <laughs> yes. three Yeah. I'm, I'm not afraid to admit, I went the, and also because of like, when you go to like open day adversities, um, that's the way they promote it. So I chose the chartered accounting route and um, I did chartered accounting or started chartered accounting for two years at varsity. And uh, yeah, unfortunately it was not for VA. Uh, I won't admit like, I'm not saying it's bad, but it, yeah, you know, I, I almost to a point like disliked it because I just couldn't <laughs> understand it. And I was a very sociable person. And for me, it was just like difficult. And eventually, you know, the only reason I took it up was on open day at Varsity. So i was like, oh, you know, you want to make lots of money. You know, this is the yeah. best finance qualification to go for.
1: Yeah, so, Money is always the motivation.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I took it and then, uh, realized like two years later into it, like, yeah, this isn't for me. And, um, someone introduced me to financial planning and it also, that's when I realized it also connected for me and my, per, my family personally. And I felt like, you know, if I knew or had finance, no, I could help my family, but then also other Mm -hmm. families. So yeah, that's when I made the switch into financial planning and I've never looked back.
1: Wow. Okay. Okay. That's... I think for most entrepreneurs, that's how it works. You firstly have like that one thing that you're like, I might just go to university for this one. And then along the way, you're like, nah, nah, let me, let me roll back. I need to make another decision. But that's great though. That's great. At least you're now in a field that, you know, you are confident in and, and you actually like. Okay. So like for the next question, it's when did you first realize that you wanted to start your own firm in that in your career so far, was it in the first year of working for someone? Cause personally I, I, I just, I don't despise it. I just don't like working for people. I prefer mm-hmm. doing my own things. So when was that realization for you?
0: Yeah. So yeah, I definitely understand where you're coming from. And, uh, just also give you viewers some background. When I qualified and graduated from varsity, I did also work for a big insurance firm in the beginning. So I worked for a mutual, uh, and O mutual wealth, uh, for the first three years of my career before I went independent and. Look, the pros and the positives of it is that you get to understand the business structure as a whole, like how things are run from a corporate entity space, right? And there's nothing wrong with it. And, you know, we had, we talked about this in our prep session as well, is that that the benefits of the pros of it is that you're kind of getting your feet in the water, if I could use that analogy, because, you you know, you're getting to understand how your industry works. You're getting to understand how what you learned in varsity applies practically And then you also get the opportunity to see, okay, what are the needs or demands that are in your market, which could be, you know, could lead to potential future opportunities for yourself. And that's what I did. The first three years I spent, and I also got um, lucky enough to get my first mentors through that process. But the first three years I spent learning about my industry, you know, through every corner and just understanding how it works. And as well as like, what was in really demonstrated with what was in need. And then also during that period, I saved up money to start my own thing and also kind of create my own group and, you know, go independent. And I would say from those three years, it's entirely up to you, but those three years made a huge difference because it also taught me sales skills in terms of how to sell myself. And based off that, yeah, after three years, I decided like I was ready to go and join and become a fully independent firm. And then it also opened my eyes to what was really in need, you know, and that was the limitation when I was working for my first company or mutual back in the beginning was like, there was limitations in terms of what I can consult or what advice I could give. Um, so yeah, definitely, I would say from your point, I think. You know, in my experience, go through those first few years of working for a corporate just to understand the market and understand the areas that are in demand and also the niche that you want to work in in the future and then make the leap because you'll be more, you have more certainty knowing how the field or industry works. You won't be completely, you know, should I say blind or, or scared because, you know, you have more information, more details. And I think coming back to your point, that's also what made me want to become an entrepreneur is that. You know, not to say there's anything wrong with working for a corporate, but I also just view it as, you know, what would I like to leave behind? And if I work for a corporate, for me, it was building someone else's dream, not my own dream.
1: You know, so that's True. how. I was that, that's always the issue, right there. <laughs> like, where where's my part of this dream? I'm I'm making money for you, and you know, I'm still getting the same page and every month. Okay, so. To date, right, like up until now, how has been the transition, or dare I say, the leap from corporate to your own practice? How how has that been going on for you?
0: Yeah, so look, it's it's been a hell of a roller coaster ride, eh? And it's <laughs> I think there's still a lot of a lot of ups and downs to come. Um, and mm-hmm. for a lot of your viewers, you know, I'm sure everyone can tell you that's, that's kind of the the whole process and enjoyment is enjoying the process and the journey of entrepreneurship. It's never meant to be easy. And I'll tell you that, like, I think that's also what I can say to a lot of your viewers or to anyone, if you want to go and try and, you know, get into entrepreneurship, there's nothing wrong with trying and seeing how you experience it and how you find it. You know. Um, And don't feel, don't feel bad if you fail the first time or you failed a couple of, you know, few times before you succeed. It's all about at least you experiencing it. Because for me, a big thing, and also leaning back to the whole corporate thing was like, I wanted to give it a shot in a sense that at least I knew if I failed, you know, which thankfully to date I haven't, but if I failed, (laughs) if I failed, then at least um, when I went and decided to go work for corporate office, I wouldn't have any regrets. You know, I wouldn't think when I'm 65, like, oh, you know, what if I tried this, would it have worked out? Because that's probably my biggest, you know, fear. Um, So, yeah, I think definitely coming back to the question, yeah, there's been a lot of ups and downs, but thankfully, you know, me and my team, we still, yeah, we're growing and expanding. I will say it's not easy, you know, a lot of it as an, as an entrepreneur and a young entrepreneur at, you know, still in the early stages, I would say there's a lot of times when you have to kind of like power your ways through. And it's true what they say, you know, you see a lot of those motivational videos and things like that. A lot of the hard work that you have to do is like, you know, behind closed doors and in dark hours or times when no one else sees it. And that's what also kind of makes it more rewarding when you achieve your milestones, because only you can comprehend and realize that how much I put into it to get to this level, yeah
1: okay so uh again just to has it been worth it so far so yes. far has has the whole process the leap itself 100 it <laughs> okay I mean, that's fine that's I fine. i'm encouraged one, to start my yeah, own thing one thing
0: i can say is like definitely it's been worth it if you don't try it you're gonna be regret you're gonna regret for the rest of your life so definitely for me it's been 100 worth it and even if you fail You know, the biggest thing I can take away that I say entrepreneurship has taught me, it's taught me to become a problem solver, you know, because if you think about it, and that's always something that's resonated with me, if you think about entrepreneurs are problem solvers, and no matter what happens in the world, what happens in the economy, COVID or no COVID, right, people will always pay for people that can solve problems, you know, and that's what entrepreneurship teaches you. It teaches you to think on your feet. You present it with a problem by a client or a customer. And if you can solve it, nine times out of 10, it's a problem that a lot of other people can't solve. It puts you in high demand. Yeah, you
1: know? mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, the, the whole issue of problem solving is most people don't understand that. I think Vusi also touched on this, Vusi Tempukwayo. For guys that don't know Vusi Tembekayo, please look him up. Very, very amazing wisdom from that guy. Okay, so he was was saying that um, the issue with most people today is they find out that the market already has like people working in it. It is the entrepreneur, it is is, like big parties uh, working in it. So they assume that they don't have room there. But then the issue is you need to look at how they are all solving the problem and find out a way that you yourself can solve the problem, but better. Like bringing more value to your solution as compared to everyone else's. And um, just to move on, like, what are some of the sacrifices that you've made? I know we touched a bit on this again after uh, the last the last episode we did, but what are some of the sacrifices that you think, you know, were not necessarily the biggest, well, if you want to say the biggest, then that's fine. Uh, what have you had to leave aside just for the sake of the dream?
0: Yeah. So that is probably, you know, one of the big key things when it comes to you, being an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. and pursuing like your vision or your dreams of what you want to do, right, is that you are going to have to make sacrifices. And, you know, I think just on the top of it, the way I started seeing it was that, you know, what I'm sacrificing now is a short-term sacrifice for a long-term gain, you know, and Vusi Timbaka also mentions it in his book of, you know, Magna Carta of Exponentiality, where Mm -hmm. he says that aside from, you know, not just looking in the market and trying to do something new, but just reinventing how things are done or putting in demand, but also seeing that you know when you make sacrifices, see it as short-term sacrifices, not long-term sacrifices. And for me, the short-term or the sacrifices I had to make, which you know I fully admit wasn't easy, was kind of you know I would say sleep is one of them, you know because. <laughs> Ever since day one, you, you that's the thing with entrepreneurship. You don't necessarily have a fixed hour job of like, oh, I'm only gonna work on my dream or go eight to four or eight to five, and then I'm gonna switch off like a normal day job. You know, you work more hours than that, you know. Even to this day, I can honestly say, and I always tell my colleagues or my friends this is that I'm probably working three times as hard now as I com- as compared to my first year of being in the industry. And it's because As you grow and you start working towards or making progress towards your entrepreneurship dream and and it starts becoming reality, you realize how much more you can do or how much more you want. And that's obviously going to require more time. So definitely I would say sleep and time is a big thing. You know, you work after hours. There's a lot of stuff like I have a saying, I always say to my friends, yeah, I see clients between eight and four or eight and five, but then the hours after that, I don't technically switch off, I'm thinking about, oh, how can I improve my business in this way, you know? So time and sleep is a, is a big thing. Um, but I would say, you know, to cope with that, you just have to have some form of balance in your life. So just don't fully work 24 seven, have some form of balance so you can balance it out. Um, secondly, another thing that I had to sacrifice was friends, you know, um, sounds harsh, but as you go through life, and a good saying by Jim Rowe that has resonated with me, is like, you are the average of the five people you surround yourself with, right? And what I realized over time is that the people I ended up spending my time with was very important because, you know, they would either make me grow or, or they would make me not grow, you know? And I'm not saying now to your viewers as well, cut off your friends, right? But just take a look at like your friends that you spend time with. And if they, you know, aren't contributing towards growth or making you want to be better, you don't necessarily have to cut them off. Just spend less time with them. You know, so I just started spending more time with the people that encouraged me to grow or made me want to be better. And then I still do see my other friends that you know um, they don't do that, but just in a less time as men as well. So that's the second thing. And I would say thirdly, probably the the other sacrifice I've had to make almost is yeah, I would say kind of just like well, it's a, it's a worthwhile sacrifice. I wouldn't really call it sacrifice, but probably like watching a lot of TV or like just like chilling and like lying around, you know. It sounds, it sounds weird. In the beginning, it is a sacrifice. But then as you move on, you realize like, oh, the things that you spend your time on instead is actually giving you more worth than what you were doing before. Like, for example, most of us, if you go back to like our school of Aussie days, right? It's like, we'll study then we'll come home and we'll play PlayStation or PS5 now, or, you know, play FIFA or just like watch Netflix, you know, nowadays for all the time, you know, and that's what you do on the weekend. Now you can't do that. You can still do it, but not as much as as what you used to. So I would probably say those are my three main, you know, sacrifices I've had to make.
1: With, with all these sacrifices and hopefully with all the success that comes with these sacrifices, how do you keep yourself grounded? How do you manage to, you know, still hold on to that dream and not stray to the one thing that's either making more money or something that's just pulling you away from it?
0: Okay, so... This was kind of big thing for me as well. And, you know, it's also one thing, you know, a lot of you that are considering entrepreneurship have to think about it. And I know it might sound weird to many of you, but what I was taught and what I learned from the beginning is don't make money your your driver or your goal that you're working towards. You know, I always, one of my mentors used to always tell me, like, if you work towards the money, it'll just come and go. Instead, what you should do is work towards what value add are you adding out there, and the money will follow. So don't chase the money. And I think coming back to it as well, with staying grounded, it's just about you know having having your vision and what you want to leave behind in life, um, matter. Like I I will admit I and and I've received a few recently as well. I've gotten and this will happen to all of you as well. I've gotten um, a lot of job offers opportunities from, you know, firms or corporates, you know, the one, the one that I can vaguely, you know, still remember was in my second to third year of being in the field. And I was still at a mutual back then. I was offered CFO position at a, at a what a listed company. And I was still like, at first I was like, damn, I'm, I'm so young, like, why, why are you pushing me? And <laughs> it, was, it was like they heard of how, um, I was solving a lot of financial problems for one of the the directors and they wanted me to come and board as CFO and you know fantastic package you know um in South African terms it was like a million rand plus salary you know which so is a lot of money in today's terms but this was like back in I would say six you know I would say about five or four years ago and um yeah full expenses paid I would move to Joburg sound and nice I mean yeah you know, then I would be, I'd be able to immediately, you know, especially for any young person, buy the BMW or the Merc and the nice definitely, house. Like definitely, definitely. That. That's, that's the you first know, thing you get, man. <laughs> um, and when I looked at it <laughs> properly, I thought like, okay, it's nice, but, you know, and this is what my mom used to always say to me. It's like, you know, it's nice. You're going to get paid lots of money, right? But if you mm-hmm. died or if you had to live on and you had kids, you know, Do you want to be remembered as the person that earned lots of money? You know, would that be purpose or means? Or do you want to be remembered for more of like the person that impacted lives rather? And I know it sounds cliche, but like, that's the way I also see my work is that I'm helping educating and coaching people so they can make smarter decisions. And through that, I'm actually impacting lives positively because they'll pass that on to their families and future generations. You know, so Mm -hmm. that's, for me how i stay grounded you know especially when there's so much temptation out there i stay grounded like that and you know just focus
1: on why i'm doing what i'm doing man a million grand i would have jumped <laughs> but anyway <laughs> in, in my field it's kind of difficult it's kind of difficult you're competing with people from harvard already so yeah <laughs> right so you you touch more on on your own vision right like your vision is what pretty much determines the path you take at the end of the day. Now, would you mind sharing that vision of yours? Just, just a glimpse, not, not everything, obviously you don't want to spoil, you know, don't <laughs> want to spoil for all of us just like just a bit.
0: Yeah. So I'm more than happy to share that. So my vision and it's also contributes to like, you know, the team that I've brought up to date, right. Is, If you look at like how things are done in my industry is that and it's also what's contributed to like the bad image or reputation people generally have about financial advisors or people that are planners and things like that is Mm -hmm. that a fair amount of bad advice comes from people that first and foremost aren't qualified um, to give advice and secondly are people that their value proposition or their value add to customers is that you know you come to me to buy policies insurance policies or investment products and me, um, even since day one and working in the industry, I always thought, you know, if I was a client, how would I see this? And that's how I've had the viewpoint with everything that I've done to this point, it's always been in the client's shoes. And if you look at it today, I'm sure you know, nine times out of 10, with the technology we have, you can buy anything online. So if your value yeah. add is the transaction or the product, I don't technically need you because I can do it myself by going online or through an app. So your value add is gone then. So for me, what I've always seen, and it's something I've picked up from my second year being in industry, is always wanting to offer clients their own circle of trusted coaches where yes, you can take out financial solutions through us, but that's a byproduct process. The reason why you have us is so that you have a trusted group of coaches that you can bounce ideas on so that you can make smart decisions going forward. And I'm talking like finance, tax, investments, law, you know, offshore taxes, everything of that kind, property, and it's just to ensure that you can make smart decisions. And that whole idea not only came from me in my second year, picking up these problems Mm -hmm. with actual clients I was dealing with, but also from when I read, um, some of you may know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad,
1: which is a classic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, that's that's Kiyosaki, your go-to every entrepreneur. And yeah.
0: For those that think it's only about buying property, I assure you and I encourage you to read it for a second time because that's the mistake I made when I read it the first time. So the second time, and it's in the book, you guys will actually see it if you go back and read it. He actually, Robert Kiyosaki mentions the one chapter where he spends time with his rich dad, and in the beginning, he was job shadowing his rich dad. He couldn't understand why his rich dad had an advisor, an accountant, a lawyer, a property manager, a banker, all these professionals that he was paying high fees for. And to him, it didn't see, it seemed pointless in the beginning. But at the end of his job shadowing period, what he realized was that the rich dad wasn't paying these people just for their service or their advice or their transaction. He was paying them so that whenever he made a decision regarding his company, his empire, his money, his investments, he would have a group of trusted coaches that he could talk to and they would be there to say, okay, you know, these are our thoughts or this is our thoughts and things you need to be aware of and this is how you do it properly so that he doesn't make mistakes and you can make, you know, smart decisions going forward. So vice versa, that's something I've always wanted to do as well on board because I realized, especially in my industry, it's something that has been high demand. Clients don't want advisors that just sell products. They want advisors or people that they can trust to give them guidance through their life with all major life decisions, but also with making smart decisions with regards to the money. So with my team, my vision going forward, especially the team that I've built, is to have that and provide that to all my clients that I deal with so that every step of the way in each step of your, each phase of your life, you can be assured you've got a group or a team behind you to support you and you can make smart decisions. So that's my vision right. is to grow that and expand it further.
1: Well, that's, that's, that's very deep for all those that are looking to be entrepreneurs, <laughs> please make sure you have such a detailed vision. No, <laughs> it doesn't have to be that detailed, but at least have an idea of where you're going first. Uh, I think... Rasom, you, you might actually agree or pretty much argue this point, but the first thing you have to do is start. Sometimes yeah. the vision comes with time. If, if you put in the time, you understand the vision better because if you put in the time to just understand the vision which are, without actually taking action, you are just wasting more time. Just start and the vision comes. It, that That's pretty much the base of almost everyone who's an entrepreneur whose book or whose YouTube video I've, I've read over so far, all right? So with, with all this wonderful, amazing vision, I, I definitely have to say that like it's, I like it, it's detailed, it's, you know where you're going. Now, where do you see yourself in the next one to five years? Let's, yeah, let's put it at five years. Uh, how, how big are you going to grow or well, what are like the milestones that will represent maybe your success or something? Hmm.
0: So yeah, so definitely. And I think just on the whole vision thing, yeah, fully agree with you. I think guys, one thing I can share is like, I didn't have this vision from my first day in the industry. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I only started picking up these problems in my second year being in the industry and I've been in the industry now for seven years. And I can honestly say only within the last two, two and a half years of my seven years, I fine tuned my vision to what I wanted to be. So like Tinda said. Just start, like the whole idea is getting start, getting your feet in the water, getting a feel, Mm -hmm. and and also don't be afraid to make mistakes because you will learn from those mistakes. So just start and get into it. Um, Coming back to your question where I see myself in the next couple of years. So definitely I would say, well, we already kind of, me and my team are already expanding, but I would say definitely to have more exposure and what we also are doing, which is you know, we we'll, won't disclose too much details, but we are kind of expanding our social reach, you know, through our social media platforms. So I would say, in the next coming years, our, our ideal plan on the social side is to kind of be, you know, fully exposed and open in the social media industry as well, so that people can have more access to us and see um, our social media presence as well, you know, and just kind of build more brand awareness. Um, driving more proper advice and kind of reducing the amount of bad advisors and bad advice out there is something that's quite key to me. So that's part of my long-term plan. And then as for the firm and the team, we look to expand our offices to more than just PE. We already are consulting clients out of PE or out of South Africa and abroad, but just to kind of have the team bigger, maybe perhaps more than one branch in more than one state or province, should I call it. Um, And just to kind of, you know, I know I do to a certain degree, have a decent role within the financial service industry, especially in South Africa, mm-hmm. but I know there's a lot of room for improvement. So one of my long-term goals over the next couple of years is to board up my own brand to the point where, you know, I can help drive movements or changes within the industry, you know, and kind right. of encourage and influence others to, you know, drive the same awareness and changes and improve mm-hmm. the
1: industry. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, just for, for, for the listeners right now, you heard a mention about brand awareness. Pretty much that's an advert. <laughs> uh, yes, we, we we do have an episode. I think it's coming out next week or in two weeks' time uh, for you guys, uh, just specifically about why having your own personal brand is important. Uh, it's something I, I think for the podcast, most of you know that I have to work on, but hopefully you tune in for that episode. It will help out not only for entrepreneurs but for anyone who's anyone and who's looking to you know advance in the corporate world so to speak. All right. So in general that that's 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 a that's a lot I have to say that is. You know, I think just 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 a personal personal share here. If you ask me I ask a lot of people this, like, what What do you plan on having in the next five years? If you ask me what I plan on having in the next five years, you ask me today, ask me tomorrow, two different answers, because <laughs> the the whole idea of again, I think this podcast is not because I have a, a business that's growing, but to learn from people who are actually doing it. And one of the like the key things I've I've learned in my very few years of schooling is you're better off getting people who are doing it on the grounds, the practical side, than always reading a book, you know? So the more you listen to this podcast, the more, this is more to the listeners, but the more you listen to it, you find that the questions I ask are not necessarily too specific to a certain field, but they'll be broad in that I want to expose not just myself, but also you guys to the different areas of life that you can be as an entrepreneur. Hopefully, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a good job in that. If I'm not, again, my Twitter's open. Uh, my Instagram is still open. Facebook, same thing. Just let me know uh, what you guys want to know more about. Right. And then the final question is, what's your drive? I'm what sorry. wakes you up in the morning?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would say my drive, right? Well, I've already given, like you guys, a breakdown of my vision, where I started. I mean, I think... But, After you guys listen to all the podcasts that I do with Tinder, you pretty much know me inside and out. (laughs) I can honestly say right to this point and what I've also kind of like reflected and took time to reflect and realize is that, you know, it's it's mainly, and I also heard it from another podcast and another quote when I was reading it is, my drive, what's driving me is not to leave any potential left on the table at the end of the day, you know, with, with things on. I don't mean to go dark, but like, the thing is like, what we don't realize is that, you know, we could die anytime or any, any, any day, you know, we can come and go. So one of my biggest things is always like, you know, Russell, if you had to grow old and retire or pass away, you know, what would you want to be remembered for? And in addition to that, and this also comes from one of the guys I follow, David Goggins, which is, I would recommend to all your viewers to also check out. It's a very good guy that I listen to. Um, he, you know, his mentality is similar to mine in the sense of, you know, if you died and you went to heaven, you know, God has this whole list of what he has, of what you could become. And imagine if you go and you face that and you've only achieved this much, you know, you know. Wouldn't you then think like, I could have been so much more, but because I was scared, hesitant, you know, I second guessed myself. I listened to what other people said. I didn't believe in myself. I didn't try this. I stayed safe. You know, I only achieved 20 or 25% of what God, God laid out for me in terms of my life plan. So for me, that that is my driver is to work so hard and give it my all so that when I do, when it does come to my time, when, you know, um, I have to leave this earth that I don't have any regrets, you know, I can rest easy because I've given my whole life 100% to my why my vision. And that's my drive, mm-hmm. I would like to say.
1: Wow. Okay. Okay. So, um, in short, better find your why. That's, that's, yeah. that's the first <laughs> thing. Find your why. I don't care if you find it in the bin, just find it, <laughs> just find it somewhere. Um, yeah on that i think yeah thank you so much this is episode number three out of five guys so thank you again russell uh it's always fun having russell around because what you guys don't understand is after this session you know we 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 talk more so even if you see me reference oh after this episode we stayed again and talked if you want those bits and pieces let me know i i haven't recorded them but i think i can like find them somewhere or bring him back for just like a free session to 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 chat more on all right so Again, thanks, Russell. If you have anything else to tell the listeners, the audience, uh, feel free. Feel free.
0: Okay, great. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. I, I hope you can take something away from these podcast episodes and please give a lot of support for the D- 10 podcast. I think it's great. And like you said, I think what I think there's a lot of value in with what he's doing is that a lot of the questions, even the ones that he's asked me in the podcast today, it's not just tailored to me and my field. It's tailored to anyone that's pursuing entrepreneurship and even though it can be also specific, it's the whole idea is like to make you think of like, you know, maybe you should try some <laughs> of these things in your life and you don't have to try all of it. Like, you know, Tindai was mentioned earlier, just start, So start with one thing. And that's one thing I would say is also kind of maybe a regret or something I wish I did sooner is like, if I was in varsity, I wish I started listening to podcasts, reading books, and taking on courses when I was younger and started applying as well as like building my network. You know, I only started Mm -hmm. my first year of work getting into it, but I wish I did sooner. So, you know, I hope you guys can take a lot from this. And yeah, if you have any questions or any thoughts or things that resonated with you, be more than welcome to comment below you know, message out to Tendai or also share this with any friends or colleagues that you feel will, you know, really appreciate this. And, you know, if you guys want to ask me any questions, you're more than welcome to reach out to me on LinkedIn as well. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, definitely. So that's it for this week. Um, I'll see you again. uh, Or you will listen to me again next week. You won't necessarily see me up until I start that YouTube channel. (laughs) But yeah, uh, thanks again to Russell, guys. If, you have, if anything you've heard here meant something to you or if you know someone who's, who's willing or who wants to know more about this whole podcasting or about, you know, entrepreneurship, the journey itself or about becoming a certified financial planner, definitely give them this podcast and feel free to message Russell on the CFP part. For me, you can message me on the CFP part, but again, I'll still send it to Russell so that she can answer you guys. But yeah, don't forget to like, follow, subscribe yeah generally just share it guys um you never know who you help you never know if you have the next jeff bezos in your contact list all right so that's it for today and cheers guys
0: cheers